All right, we're rolling. We're rolling. It's live. It's live. Wow. Well, we haven't, uh, gosh, we haven't recorded in almost a month now, but Melanie and I have seen each other. Uh, I went out to visit her in beautiful uh, LA and we went up to Solvang, California, which if you don't know of it, it's where the movie Sideways takes place. Yes. I guess it was a book and not a movie. Yeah, it's a uh, it's yeah. a town that bills itself as the Danish capital of uh, America. I don't know if that's true, but it may be true. I will say it's very charming. Mm-hmm. And if you enjoy um, wine tasting, if you enjoy walking around looking at windmills and wandering into little shops <laughs> and going to restaurants named Bit O Denmark, this is the place to go. Or if you're a fan of tiki bars, except the tiki bar only makes wine-based tiki drinks, again, this is the place for you. Uh, it's about an hour and a half to two hours drive out of Los Angeles. It was really lovely. It was really fun. So yeah, definitely a, a recommend from the Amy Melanie friend. So we did get to say I went out to visit for Melanie's birthday. And uh, for those of you who don't know Melanie, she loves birthdays and she loves her birthday, but she also loves other people's birthdays. And it's one of, it's just a really fun, like thing that I love about our friendship is that you always remember to wish people happy birthday. I'm terrible at that. Just terrible, but you're great at it. Oh, well, thank you. I feel like I've gotten worse at it over the years, to be honest. I will, in fact, set little reminders on my phone for important birthdays. So, for example, today is one of my sisters-in-law, their birthdays, and I definitely set a reminder to make sure that I wish them a happy birthday. My um, attitude is that it's a day that you can celebrate that person, and I think that's fun. Also, I am just an attention hound. So I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy getting all of that attention. You know, um, in the modern days, of course, we get many Facebook birthday wishes if you are on Facebook. And I know it's in part because the reminder pops up and it takes yeah. like seconds to do because I've done it. But I love it. I love it. I will personally respond to each and every post that I get. Um, and Amy was there when I was, um, you know, obviously she was here in California for my birthday. And I was like, oh, just in the morning, I was like, just a minute, I'm just responding to my well-wishers in advance, <laughs> you know, honestly, that's, that's the present for me is the attention yeah. I'm, I, because I'm getting older. I may be a little less needy on that, but I still love it. Let's be honest. I do. So yeah, it was, it was a wonderful trip. It was really fun. Yeah. Very good time. It was nice to see Melanie and Bob and we had a lovely time. So, I mean, speaking of wine tasting and wine, what you got today? What you drinking today? Well, actually I have the bottle that you got me. I thought that would be a nice um, segue. It's a Takata. Uh, Rosato sparkling wine from Santa Barbara County, uh, a state grown. Can I tell you anything else about it? Uh, the wine was made in the traditional Italian method from Chardonnay, or some may say Cardinet, uh, grapes grown in our cool Los Alamos vineyard in northern Santa Barbara, California. Uh, so quite delightful, I think. Yeah. You know, one of the things I was, because I've never 
I've been to some wine tastings before, but we really did go to several different places. And, um, you know, I don't know the different grapes. And so it was really fun to hear about the, the different grapes and what had different profiles. And I didn't realize like you grow grapes, but then people buy the grapes and then they brew the grapes. Like, <laughs> yeah, a lot about it that I was not familiar with. And so I did really enjoy that part of the experience. You know, I feel like, um, wine tasting. It's a great way to, to make wine drinking classy. I like, Oh, look, I I'm not just drinking wine. I'm drinking some grapes from the Santa Inez region and I'm volatizing my estrials right now. I've done, uh, since I turned 40, which was nearly, but not quite 10 years ago, I've done actually quite a few wine tasting trips. Um, I've been to Napa, I've been to Sonoma, um, all in California. And I have actually been on some like wine courses where they're really telling you about the grapes and how they make everything. And one thing that has stuck with me is someone who said, uh, you know, just like what you like, it doesn't matter um, if other people, and I, I really believe that, um, yeah. choose a wine that you like. Uh, for example, I know a lot of people really like apothic wines. Um, I personally am quite partial to the apothic that is in the whiskey barrel apothic in inferno. I mention it because a lot of people hate apothic because it's very sweet. Um, mm. but I, I say, if you like it, you go for it. You go if you for like yellowtail, I, I would, I, I, it's not my style. I'd rather be caught dead than have a bottle of yellowtail in my fridge. If that was all I my had. How, my, how we've grown. My, how, <laughs> how we've been. Let me just tell you that Melanie and I were on first name basis with basis when we lived together. This was 20 years ago in Chicago. We were, we knew that we knew the liquor store owner basically <laughs> we were around the corner. And uh, yeah, I think our big, uh, our big drinks were yellowtail was fairly new to the American market then, and That's it was true. It expensive. Was. It was. And we also enjoyed a lot of Concho y Toro, which uh, was I, I still like it. But you know, we buy I them. I still like it. I still like now, the yeah, one and a half liter Magnum, you know, or like the larger bottles. And I remember one time we were with the other Amy, and uh, we said, "Should we get the regular bottle or the big one?" And she goes, "The regular bottle, oh, it's so small. Just like put a baby nipple on it. It's not even <laughs> worth it." Oh yeah, I remember that. No, you're true. You're, you're true. You're right. Um, there's definitely some wine snobbery here. And honestly, sure. if you're yellowtail, you go for it. I don't recall a time in my life when I was a willing drinker of it, but that's probably that's probably just uh, I don't remember um, because I've moved so far on. Mm -hmm, I know. I'm, I'm on the Takata. Great. Well, crack you? that baby open. Okay. So I, in my continued drinking a wine in a can, um, I have a, ah. a Babe Rosé. Now, a couple things about this that I wanted to call out to our listeners or whatever. Uh, so I do, I do like that. And I don't know if you can see it on here. It says, uh, Thoughts, questions, had a bad day, in a weird mood, call us. <laughs> it's got their phone number on it, which made me really laugh, like in this day and age. And the other thing with this is um, after reading it uh, more closely, it is a carbonated rosé wine. It's not actually a sparkling wine, so it doesn't, it's not bubbly because of the fermenting process. <laughs> I think they just carbonated it like with a soda stream or something. <laughs> huh. 
So I haven't tried it yet. Um, it is bottled by Yas Queen, Y-A-S-S Queen in Modesto, California. And yeah, I'm gonna give it a shot. I, I do like the pack. I mean, it's got it's a, packaging very much marketed towards middle-aged white ladies, I think, or just ladies. <laughs> how, how did we ever find it? How did we find it? It's got on the can, it says, hey, you guys, you look great. Love your face, love your energy. Honestly, somebody had to create a bubbly rosé that was delicious, portable, cute, and most of all, so us. You're welcome. Love you, miss you, hate you, love you, mean it babe ah that's so cute you can yeah, it is. pop those into um a little beach bag take mm -hmm, it to the beach mm -hmm. um, and um i'm also since i'm not drinking real sparkling wine as you open your uh, bottle i also am going to drink it today out of a uh an antique glass i don't know if you recall melanie we were oh, in iowa yes. city i have those too you do yes. still okay yeah, so um it, it, it's a, it's, there's these sort of a classic glasses and um, they all had um, a little picture on the front and then actually like the musical score, musical notes. Oh, that's so perfect song. for our musical podcast. <laughs> yes, on the other side. And anyway, so I'm going to pour my carbonated gonna... rosé. Here into we go. My... Hey! Yay! Happy Saturday. Hmm. Okay, so it smells good. It smells like. Rosé, I'm smelling it out of the, let me smell the can. A beautiful <laughs> color. This is a really lovely. I really, I remember that was the only, that was the one that I really liked from that place. Anyway. Mm -mm. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Bing. Bing. Hmm. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's, that's refreshing. This is a little sweet, um, a little sweeter than I like. Uh, it's got, um, it tastes more like a Prosecco-y sweet, uh, but not bad. I drink it. I'm going to drink it. Perfect for dessert. <laughs> it's a dessert wine. It says right here it is a dessert wine. And how about yours? It's very nice. It's light. Um, it's a sunny, uh, very pleasantly warm, not too hot day here in Santa Monica, California. And um, so one thing about Los Angeles that people who um, haven't lived here or spent a lot of time here might not know. There are these beautiful trees that bloom in the late spring, very early summer. They're called Jacaranda trees and they have purple blossoms and they are blooming right now. So there's lots of these lovely purple trees all over Los Angeles, including one that is in my, um, my yard that is nearly full bloom. And so I can see it and it's also next. So it's like, I've got this beautiful purple tree and then kind of these hot pink flowers right next to it. It's almost like living in a Lisa Frank sticker. Um, <laughs> if you remember those. And I feel like the pink of my rose goes with that perfectly. It's very oh, spring and fun. So wonderful. Excellent. All right. Well, we are here today to talk about sparks. Enough about the sparkles. Let's get to the sparks. Let's get yeah. to the sparks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. So, <laughs> so we're I like, I like we're both the hype person. That doesn't work. <laughs> it works. Uh, what was I going to say? So, first of all, we're recording this um, on April thirtieth, twenty twenty-two. Uh, so the Sparks tour is still 
going on. The boys are um, international right now. They're, I think, I think they're playing Copenhagen tonight uh, because I'm that kind of geek where I, you know, just sort of check their website and see their cute little pictures. And I, I, if you're listening to this, you probably are already doing this, but <laughs> I personally love that uh, the lads have posted pictures from every location on their Instagram page um, and other social media sites throughout the tour. It's just really fun. It's like a little um, pictorial journey that you get to take with our friends, Ron and Russell. So um, I am feeling simultaneously joyful watching um because i'm in a couple of sparks fan groups just hearing about people's wonderful experiences at the concerts uh throughout europe as as we heard when they were in the us too um and also envious because even though i've seen them three times and even though uh they're going to be playing i believe it's the this ain't no picnic festival in uh, Pasadena later this summer. And I'm very likely going to go just to see them again. Um, and a couple other great bands from the 80s, 90s, 00s. Anyway, even though I have the opportunity to see Sparks possibly up to four times this year, I'm still like, oh man, I wish I was in Copenhagen right now. <laughs> imagine, imagine enjoying Copenhagen. And there've been exciting fan spottings, seeing Ron and Russell having breakfast in the hotel, running into them on the street. How exciting. But I don't know if you heard, Amy, there was a little bit of Sparks drama. Oh, no, I hadn't. Because I'm, I, you know, I'm not that. I, I enjoy, I enjoy hearing about this from you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Apparently, apparently Russell kicked a photographer in Hamburg. Now, did he actually kick him? I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if there was actual violence, you know, involved, but uh, if you go and you look up, um, you go to YouTube, you can sparks out um, Hamburg. So may we start at about two minutes, 45, you're going to see Russell seem to maybe fall off the stage or just bounce off the stage. Um, apparently one of their <laughs> photographers and then get right back on. Of course. Then get right back on because he's, you know, the Tigger of, of their band. <laughs> um, but uh, apparently they had a photographer who I believe was a professional who had um, gone over their, their security line and was like on the stage. It looked, you know, to be honest, I've watched the video and now you can go and watch the video. It looks to me like not necessarily Vines, more that Russell was about to start performing and he needs his space. Mm -hmm. I am, I'm certain. I mean, I have performed and you have too. You have a very clear idea of where you're supposed to go, what space is yours. And if you've got someone taking photography or taking pictures in the middle of that, uh, I think that is a, a hazard. Um, so I think he was kind of like shooing this guy off stage, but he created a lot of drama. You know, what <laughs> happened? And and I would say, wow, I wasn't, I'm still not entirely sure that Ron and Russell Mail are humans, but this makes me think maybe they are because I can see how that would irritate the living crap out of me if I were Russell. Who knows what really happened? I also just think like, I mean, we, we can't know. Once again, we, we can't know. But um, they've now been on tour, like constantly, constant performing since March. The tour is nearly over now. 
um, it, that could be, it, I, I would imagine that is, it is tiring. It's probably invigorating as well. I swear they look like they're getting younger on this tour. I'm telling you, like, <laughs> look at the pictures. Like they both look, they both look like, have they gotten younger on this tour? Yeah. Maybe. Again, that's another strike. Are they actually human? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, okay. Uh, by the way, side note, of course, I, I think they're human, but <laughs> I like you're willing to be rather agnostic about it. Like I'm willing the to window be, open. I'm willing to be, I mean, let's just, I still think 26 albums over, you know, a 40, uh, 52 year period, 51 year period, uh, that does seem superhuman to me. So sure. I feel like that's my number one reason for thinking that. But um, anyway, so that happened. There's also a little other gig news that I just thought was really super sweet. This also happened in Germany. I think it was Berlin, but I could be wrong about that. Someone brought a very delightful sign that said, Ron, you're sexy please take off your shirt and somehow Ron ended up with the sign looking quite happy sadly no shirt removed sorry sadly no shirts we want to see those golem arms we want to see those we want to see those sexy gams come on take it all off Ron oh that's so fun how wonderful what I know oh and one more detail about the the you know Russell turning violent um moment violent Russell shock apparently when he got back on stage those who were there who had like a close view could see ron really sort of laughing at the whole thing so <laughs> i i mean having three brothers <laughs> when you see any of them have a moment it's usually quite entertaining <laughs> if it's not you so i i felt like that was very much a sibling moment to me <laughs> So, oh, that's thought I would, I would that hot gossip for right, excellent so let's let's do it let's jump on in are you ready i Hi am it's interesting oh. because when i was doing my little sparks listening project it took about five months to get through all the albums and the reason for that was because i didn't have a timeline and if i really fell in love with a particular album i would just stay there for a while so i was listening to kimono my house and propaganda a lot in december um of of 2021 and early january january november december january and then i kind of went off them and moved into newer sparks um so listening to it like i i i have not listened to that album in a while and it was interesting listening to it after kind of exploring their whole their whole oeuvre. Uh, I did a little, I did a little research on the history of this album, um, which as those of you who have watched the documentary at least once or more than once, and you know, I'm there with you. I was watching it for the fifth time this week, like an old friend. Okay. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, as you know, propaganda was recorded at the height of Sparks mania in the UK. This is also the album that future director of Annette stole um, because he liked the cover. And who can blame him for that? Because that is one heck of a cover. It is. Um, 
we are we're going to uh get into it i'm just going to give you a couple little facts here this album was recorded in that sparks mania period when so many girls were throwing themselves at ron and russell that allegedly a french fan hugged russell so hard that he cracked some of his ribs oh you know? yeah. ah. ow uh just to Mon give Dieu. you yeah <laughs> come please russell don't hurt him don't hurt him he's oh. so little i mean little. come on He's so little. Come on. Um, so anyway, Sparks were on their Kimono My House tour in um, mid, early to mid-74. They finished the Kimono tour in July 1974. And then they started recording propaganda in August and September of that same year. Whoa. Can you imagine that? Like, you're, you're on this super intense tour with teenage girls throwing themselves at you and Russell having to say, we need to be careful in the hall, okay? Which is still okay. one of my favorite <laughs> Russell moments. Uh, tour finishes and then boom, hey, let's, let's record a new album. Let's strike while the iron is hot. I mean, I guess that was a smart move. So they recorded it in August or September and then they released it in November. Wow. Whoa intense tour and then they they started uh touring again um this album instantly charted in the uk and it peaked at number nine um in the u.s it hit 63 number 63 um but what i thought was interesting is on the american tour for this album uh which happened in this in 1975 um <clears throat> they had <laughs> disney tunes playing to fire up the teens before they performed on the tour. And some noteworthy attendees of the US propaganda tour include Joey Ramone, who's at the May 1975 New York City gig, uh, and Linda Blair from The Exorcist. I, uh, I found those fun facts. Also from Roller Boogie. Also from Roller Boogie. Also from Roller Boogie, <laughs> yes. Which I guess would be the Sparks connection because Linda Blair was in a movie called Roller Boogie and Sparks was in a movie called Roller Coaster. <laughs> it's all <laughs> connected. It's all connected. It's all connected. Anyway, oh, wow. um, those uh, those facts come from a blog run by a woman named Madeline Baccaro. I want to give her credit uh, for some of those uh, factoids. Um, I'd like to talk to you about the cover briefly, which we all know is quite famous. But did you know, did you know that um, the cover was shot by a gentleman named Monty Coles, who ultimately became uh, a very successful fashion photographer in Australia in his own right. Um, well, you know, that's, that's our, and um, <clears throat> according to Russell, their picture. So if you know, I'm, I, this is, I think if we had to choose what's the most famous Sparks album cover, I actually think it's this one. I actually think it's this one more than Kimono. What do you think? uh yeah you know I, I don't know I, I i can't pick i can't pick but it it is very unique and for those who haven't seen it um it's it's they're kind of they're basically getting like 
abducted? We don't know. I mean, I love that about the, they <laughs> yeah, say that in the, movie, in the documentary. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you, you get this album and you see these guys who are like tied up and on a boat in the front and then like on a bed, like bound in the middle with like a I think like a phone receiver between yes. them, if I recall. Yes, somehow in that picture, Russell's managed to get the gag off his mouth <laughs> and um, there's a phone. It looks like he's attempting to <laughs> call the police nose dial (laughs) this rotor phone so there's a lot of head work either that or that was where they were first seen and then of course thrown Mm -hmm. into the car and then thrown into the sea never to be seen from again we we don't know um but what we do know is that that photo that photograph is actually evocative of a 1965 gerhard richter uh artwork so gerhard richter is a is a modern artist he's um, also name checked in a Pet Shop Boys song that I like, but that's a it's a different story. Cool. And he's got some nice he's got some nice art at the Art Institute of Chicago. Just FYI, he's got a um, a lovely picture there that I quite like. But anyway, the Gerhard Richter um, artwork that this kind of is evocative of is called Motorboat. Now, did did Rod and Russell know about this picture? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, they're arty guys, so it's possible. It's also possible that they didn't, um, and it just is a little bit evocative of that. We'll put a link to this picture in the uh, show notes. Um, but so Russell has said about this picture that they shot it on the south coast of England in a gale force wind. That look in our eyes is not acting. We were freezing. A photographer had originally suggested that we be bound and gagged and dropped from an airplane with parachutes on, and he would photograph us from the air as he too descended. We declined this kind offer. (laughs) Now, question, is that actually true? Answer, we don't know because we do know that Sparks routinely lies in their interviews. So um, it may or may not be true. But Having lived in the UK for a considerable period of time, I do believe the part about them being freezing because I have personally <laughs> never been colder than uh, a time when I got lost in Dublin in March. And uh, I'm just going to say that damp, it gets into your bones. Uh, it also, it is different. Yeah, for sure. Sorry. And also for our Irish listeners, I want to be clear. I am very aware that Dublin is not in the UK. It's just I was very close to Ireland, so I was able to visit Ireland quite easily. And uh, that same damp is also in the UK. Ooh. I frequently said that, yeah, when I went to visit you, I think, uh, it, like over New Year's one year, and we were, we, didn't, we were just in London, but the the chill is just non, it's different. It's nonstop. And like, what? Like, I live in Chicago. I live in Iowa. Like I'm I know. pretty used to heavy snowstorms, but I don't know if it's because we have just more central heating in the U.S. I don't know, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a harsh island. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and Midwestern cold is a dry cold too. It I I, I it does get colder. Yeah. It, it actually the temperature sure. gets colder. In fact, during my time living in the U.K., I felt like I finally figured out why all those pilgrims died when they came to America because they thought it was going to be, you know, cold, but, you know, manageable. They didn't think it was going to be that cold. Um, (laughs) That's just my theory. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of uh, give you a little background there before we uh, get into things. And also uh, I looked and looked and looked because apparently they 
promoted this. Uh, they went back on top of the pops. But they also went on American Bandstand. Um, and I think they did, if I recall correctly, um, This Town and BC. Man, I wish we had a recording of that. Urgh! But I couldn't find choice. it. Interesting Yeah. Interesting couldn't choice. find it. Uh, so that's that's a little background. Now let's uh, let's get into the tracks. Why don't you start us off? Because I feel like you've been listening to it more. So I have. I you know I had stepped away from it for a little while, and then in preparation for this episode, kind of was re-listening to it. And as Melanie <clears throat> Melanie knows, I was furiously trying to take notes on some of the songs on side B right before the call. But um, I oh this this album has a lot of really high moments and, and like ick moments for me. But I totally we'll get agree. I totally oh, I thought agree. Oh, you agree? How dare you! <laughs> Oh, that was my immediate reaction. <laughs> <laughs> there are songs I adore on this album, and then there are other songs I'm like, skip, no. Um, that's 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 me. Um, I know some people believe that they the propaganda is better than Kimono at My House. I don't agree. I think they're both great albums. I I feel like Kimono is 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 better, but when i say that we're still talking about a sparks album here so it's yeah so it's still so totally amazing oh well uh you know the beginning is so great you know it's it's very 70s it's very glam it's got the little operatic piece in that opening just a short little clip and then what a great just rock opening it's so wonderful totally. at home at work i play is just an amazing song and I know you've mentioned it several times and we talked about some of our favorite spark songs and it's this may be my favorite spark song ever I, it's it's certainly up there it's very hard for me to say it's my favorite spark song ever because <laughs> as soon as I do another song will come along and replace it thank you thank you male brothers I appreciate <laughs> that but I will say the first time I heard this album I was walking on the beach in Santa Monica looking at the ocean the first time i heard the guitars and then the guitars sort of move into the piano i i gasped like i gasped the song just touched me that much the very first time i heard it i in fact then upgraded the headphones i was using because I really wanted to hear just every aspect of those guitars. Cause I feel like the guitars on at home at work at play are so powerful. Interestingly, um, I don't know if you have heard this interview that um, Sparks did with uh, Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. Uh, it's, it's floating around the internet, um, but he mentions that he and the boys from the Sex Pistols listened to these first two albums a lot. And I thought to myself, I can totally hear that because I feel like those guitars in At Home, At Work, At Play, they're just like wailing. They're wailing to such an amazing point. And the other thing I want to say about this is I feel like this is a classic 70s power pop rock banger i mean it is just unabashed in its glory and 70s excess love it 
love it love it love it i have more to say but i've said a lot amy anything yeah. you want to add at this point oh oh do i ever my friend um oh so good you know this much like i i commented on when we talked about kimono my house um a, a lot of the songs on this album have these really quick transitional moments where yes. it's like you're in this song and then you're another song you're another song yes. and they're pulled together in an amazing way and i will say a little foreshadowing for some of the songs in this album while I enjoy the individual pieces I don't know if I like the overall song mm -hmm. but this song it, it really works for me and there were a couple things that I noted um when I was listening to this that I noted that I really like and um you know they do a, I like the kind of transition in this song between um rapid like and then like a little it's got a little swing and then it has that amazing stop and um you know what what i love about that is that uh it's it uses a technique and that is not often used in music and that is silence and it's so effective because even that one second pause I just made, it makes you kind of lean in. And so to have that in the middle of this rock and rock song, to have a stop, silence, <laughs> bum, 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 bum. It's just so great. And I mean, it's it, musicians fear silence. So do chatterboxes <laughs> like me, and, but it's, it's a really effective technique and, and it, they just do a lot of little, changes between sort of a syncopated rhythm and a straight um, downbeat rhythm. And uh, it's just so fun. Plus it's got the best lyrics. I know the lyrics are actually so tight. And um, it took me a long time to learn the lyrics. As you know, I am a uh, someone who remembers lyrics to like every single song. They just, they just somehow seep into my brain. It, honestly, I don't even know how it happens, but I, I learned lyrics to songs very easily. And this song took me a long time. It was a challenge to learn all the lyrics for this yes. one. I, I also, I just love the theme. I love the theme that it's, you know, a gal that's just kind of hard to catch. Um, she's unique and special. Um, I, there's gotta be a million girls like her, though I can't think of one. Uh, so good, so yeah. good. There's got to be a million girls like her, though. I can't think of one. Oh, so good. So good. So good. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's this, this, this one is a joy and it's a good, just a good power rock. And I really enjoy, I think there's a recording from the early 2000s, the basement. Yes. Recordings and um, that video, just watching the, the band play together and, and again, just the silent cues to each other. Um, they're able to change the rhythm really on a dime and it's so good that band was great too the band for the those basement recordings absolutely brilliant um i also just want to give a, a real shout out to ron mail for that last line um <laughs> when she's uh dripping wet oh so naughty love it love it love yeah. it love it could you imagine like being, just being like okay i love the clone of my house i'm a teenager it's 1974 and i'm in my room uh you know i have to share bunk bed my sisters whatever i got my headphones on and you read that lyric 
Oh, awakening. I can imagine. And <laughs> that will take it into a non-safe awakening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the after the yes, sparks and sparkles after hours. The sparks and sparkles only fan site doesn't exist, <laughs> quote exist. But um yes, I, I love the naughty naughtiness of this song. It's so sexy and it's so bold too. Yes, you know that it's bold. Audacious. You use the term audacious quite a bit with them. And I think that this is one of those moments. I do feel and once again, it's a lot of speculation. So how can I really know? But, you know, as we've discussed on this uh, podcast before, those first two Sparks albums didn't do great. Kimono did fantastically well. Of course, you want to strike while the iron is hot, but it also takes some of the pressure of having to get a massive hit out. Um, so I think that there was more freedom and probably more confidence on this album. To me, mm -hmm. that is another thing I love about At Home, At Work, At Play. It's a, it's a song that is so confident, like everything about it, the, the musical arrangement, the lyrics, Russell's delivery, you know, kind of weird, but uh, you, you remember that Brady Bunch episode, Johnny Bravo? The, oh, Johnny Bra the famous Johnny Bravo episode. For those of you who didn't grow up watching uh, Brady Bunch on repeat, <laughs> um, I'll just give you the backstory. In the Johnny Bravo episode, Greg, who's the eldest Brady male uh, child, becomes uh, involved with some recording studio that wants him to record a song because he fits the outfit they want him to wear. And like they play... Um, Greg singing something and it's like very heavily reverbed and there's a big echo on it. For some reason, this song always reminds me, it's their Johnny Bravo song to me. There's a lot of <laughs> 70s reverb on it, but Russell being an incredible performer, much, much better than Greg Brady, no offense. Um, he just nails it. He fits the suit and the song. It just it just really has that just absolute 70s-tastic vibe. And I'm going to take it to the 90s now. Beck's album, Midnight Vultures, has a song on it, Milk and Honey. Oh, yeah. Which I love. But to me, I, I see a connection there. I see... I, I feel like there's a similar vibe happening with Beck's Milk and Honey that could or could not have been to some extent inspired by at home at work at play. That is so true. I didn't think about that. But now that you've mentioned it, because I listened to that album a lot. Oh, me yeah, too. Back I in the day. heard that it's album. It's amazing. And um, yeah, that's so cool. It is fun. It's got the rock. It's got the change up. It's got the little, I, I want to say, I don't want to say wacky or quirky, but like, like lighthearted moments yes that, yes that 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 milk and honey ha has and i think that that's really very yeah very much like the the spark songs cool anything else on uh i like that it can be abbreviated to a h a w a p uh yeah i guess i mean for me i i cannot but i will say now anytime i see anything that says at home or at work or at play I'm just, I'm just thinking about this song. So we move on to reinforcements. Yes. I have a love-hate relationship with reinforcements. Love hate. Okay. All right. Let's lay it on me, girl. So I, I hate the beginning. 
I hate the beginning. I hate the fur. I don't know why. It's just it's it's a letdown for me. But I love the end. I love the end, and I love most of the song. Once again, the guitars on um, reinforcements. That's that's what really gets me. Um, the quirky There's great guitar work on this album. Yeah. yeah. The, the quirky lyrics that are like, I'm in a soul, yeah, I'm a soldier. I, I don't know. I liked him the first time, but I, I don't love him. I, and that's why I say I, I have a love hate relation, but that the guitars at the end, they, they just fill me with absolute joy. So I always, whenever this song comes on, I'm like a little bit disappointed, but I never, ever skip it. Interesting. Nice. Okay. I actually really like this song. I would say that this is you know, in the top half, if I divided it in half and about half of the songs I don't love and the other half I do, this is in the love. And for me, that little, uh, that beginning, um, again, very, I was thinking about this album and with Cone of My House and how the opening measures of a number of these songs take you to one place and then they pivot pretty quickly into like a totally different song. And I was thinking about their song, All That, which just begins at the beginning like strumming guitar and that the the beginning of that song is very much part of the entire song it's how the song continues but at this point in time a lot of their songs have these like little change-ups and as I was re-listening to it you've mentioned several times about uh Sparks being time travelers <laughs> and I feel like there are these moments that like that to me sounds very like vampire weekend very like 2000s like I don't know, there's something very futuristic about that to me, not futuristic, like sci-fi, but like that it sounds like that could have been a song that I was listening to in 2010 or 2005. Um, but then it goes right into a glam rock song, you know, with a vamp, like vamping piano and then those opening lyrics. Then it goes back to the future, you know, back to the <laughs> modern songs a little bit. Um, I really, really enjoy this song. I think it's upbeat. I think it's fun. Um, the glam, I love, it's a very glam rocky song to me. And I love, I love the, um, uh, the, the chorus, like at the end, like you said, that you really enjoy the end with the guitars at the end. What I really enjoy about the end is that sort of a choral with, um, singing reinforcement, reinforcement, but then there's like a little lead vocal singing over the top going la, 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 la. And, uh, it's, I just find it an upbeat song and I, I do enjoy it. Not, so, uh, but I agree. I think that there are a lot of lyrics on this album where, uh, like I get what they were saying, but it's maybe doesn't resonate with me personally, the situations they were describing in terms of relationships, women, and things like that. But uh, musically, re enforcements. I mean, I, I, I will say, I, I do feel like that chorus, it's, it, it feels, you know what, it feels very um, football chant to me. Um, <laughs> having lived in the UK. Defense, feels defense. Like something, well, I, I mean, soccer, US soccer, like going to, um, a, a football match in the UK. Reinforcements, reinforcements. Yeah, I get it. I, I, see I that. Like it's I so funny. Um, hear a bunch of beer sozzled people <laughs> singing it. Um, <laughs> the other thing, the, there are a couple things I really like. I do like the chorus. I love 
Russell's spoken parts. Yeah. Oh, I forgot I to mention that. love that. Yeah, yeah. And again, to me, it is reflective of the confidence they were feeling when this was recorded. The whole mm-hmm. three, five, seven, go. It sounds very confident to me. I know what I'm doing. I got this. I feel like that shines through. The other thing I love, as I said, those guitars, I love how it builds to a wall of sound uh, towards the end. That's a really joyful part of the song to me. And it's my favorite part when you kind of just hit that, that wall of guitar. And it does sound to me very evocative of what would happen a few years later with punk um yeah i i can i can absolutely see how the sex pistols could have been influenced by uh this song and by at home at work at play yeah yeah i wrote that on several of the songs i noted i love the second half of the song <laughs> because yeah, they that's did how yeah, i feel about this of, one yeah um you know okay so then we go into dc which Ah, this goes into the, for me, it goes into the bucket of there are really wonderful moments in this song, but, yes. um, uh, you know, I don't know, all, all together, it's just, it doesn't really resonate very well with me, but I do love the little keyboard part. Um, there's like a little keyboard part between so much for our ABC, say hello to instability. Um, oh yeah. And it, and then, then the piano again after you're conveniently forgetting our little wedding and our honeymoon by the sea. And then it's got this really great little piano part. Um, and this is one of the songs. That's like, this is, goes into the spark songs that are they. It sounds so joyful and upbeat, but when I read the lyrics, it's so sad. It's sad, <laughs> you know. And I to be armchair psychologist for a moment. The song is about a couple. And a, and a child, and then of course the couple breaks up. It's a grief song, that's my feeling. It is, it's so, it, you know, yeah. So this is one that I, and I will say this is one that I forget about unless, until I'm listening to the album again. And I'm like, all right, okay. Yeah, it's catchy, it's, the music is upbeat. Like I said, the moments are, there's a lot of great little moments, but it doesn't stick with me. So I liked it when I first started listening to this album and then I very quickly got sick of it like it Hmm. there's something about it it's very poppy and Mm -hmm. melodic but it's almost like too sweet you know when you do 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 like I just I I, I see what you're yeah yeah so I started skipping it and then when I went back to this album after several months I um I appreciated the song a little bit more. I do also really love the keyboard bits. They sound, Mm -hmm. again, not of that time to me. They sound much more 80s than 70s to me. Um, But I love that. I I, I love hearing something that seems anachronistic in that that song. Um, But I agree with you, that's the best part of the song is the keyboard, the, the, it's it's hard to take. In fact, to me, the, the, although, Propaganda at home at work at play are so strong. In general, I prefer the second half of this album to the first half. Yeah, I I'm with you. Um, I get that because the first half of the album has some kind of tough, tough, tough themes, <laughs> musical themes, and I get what you're saying about the the it being almost a little saccharine. Um, yeah, yeah, but 
then we go into thanks but no thanks anyway which i is on the upper scale of songs i really really like on this album i this is a song that i do think of when i walk when i'm not listening to it like um the the refrain gets it's a catchy to me um so yeah what are your thoughts on this one I feel the same. I do like this one. This is one I might also skip. I, I do find it like a little sweet, but there are some things about it I really, really love. Um, I actually like the lyrics a lot. Mm -hmm. um, they seem kind of bizarre to me. Apparently it's about a kid, but once again, I'm going to armchair psychology and think to myself, if this was written while they were on tour from uh with kimono when i hear those lyrics it's three o'clock and here they come i'm thinking of crazed schoolgirls looking <laughs> now but that said who knows maybe this song was written before all of that happened that's just how i i always picture that in my mind um i like the slightly melancholy feel of this song um i adore once again, the ending guitars of this. Yeah. And they're really evocative to me of um, Needle in the Camel's Eye by Brian Eno, hmm. which uh, if you're not sure what song I'm talking about, it's oh, the I first do. song. Oh yeah, okay, so you know, if it's, it's the first song in Velvet Goldmine, if you, <laughs> if, if that helps at all. But, cause that also has that sort of wall of guitar, um, but it, it just reminds me of that. Um, so I, I like it a lot. It feels very 70s glam in a really good way. It does. Way. It does. You know, there's a lot going on acoustically in this song for me. You know, it's funny because <laughs> this song and um, reinforcements both kind of start with la 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 la's at the beginning. And in this one, I don't like, I wrote in my notes, this kind of reminds me of the theme song to Banana Splits, where it ah. goes like la 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 la. La 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 la, and uh, that little that tune, that la 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 tune is then picked up, uh, picked up by the keyboards, and that 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 little tune is played by different instruments throughout the song. Um, mm. At some point, you the guitar is playing it, and uh, I, I really I really enjoyed that. And you mentioned too, like the song is from the perspective of of a child, and I really like that part of it because it says like. What are the lyrics? Thanks, but no thanks anyway. This comes from uh, high. This comes from high above, two or three feet above. I love <laughs> like, that. I, I do very love evocative that. of like, you know, looking at your parents and your parents telling you like, no, don't talk to those wild girls in their tweedy suits and their pointy shoes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I also like that this was uh, reworked slightly for Annette. That parts of this were used in Annette. That was oh, really. Oh yeah. About that, and I that that was rewatching for me, but um, yeah, I love it. And I the keyboards have a real like organy, almost like steel drummy sound to me. Again, kind of Vampire Weekend. I don't know why. And I, you know, this is also one of the songs in the um, refrain when the drums start hitting the downbeat. Uh, Russell really belts that. Uh, thanks, but no thanks anyway. You know, he doesn't yeah. belt very much and it's so it's kind of fun to hear, hear him really belt it out and um you mentioned you really love the guitars i i think yes for me <clears throat> there's some great stuff again the second half of the song is really exciting because i agree at about the two minute mark 
the drums kick up, the keyboards kick up. And then the guitar actually, interestingly, I think it's staying on like a sustained like high note going like just a really repeated high note and it's really fun. And then they go into these modulation with thanks but no thanks anyway, thanks but no thanks anyway. And then the ooh ooh oohs, which I don't know about you, but the end the end when it's like <clears throat> when they're doing the ooh 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 part with the guitar, it sounds almost like surfs up beachy. I don't know, it sounds kind of California to me at that point. Some for me just goes through a lot of different places, but so well. Yeah, I, I also kind of think it seems like Ron was experimenting with this idea of like starting a song in one way and then finishing it in a different way and also building like kind of building to these big mm -hmm. finishes because a lot of the songs on this album actually do that yeah. uh yeah. when you think about it um I never thought about the beachy side it's it's funny because to me I I feel like I can hear a fair bit of growing up in California influence in Sparks songs. Uh, I can kind of hear what you're saying with the, I never thought about that with the ooze at the end, but I, I think you are right. To me, the, I just picture like a rainy British day when I hear this though. Like that is just, I, I mean, I can see the brick, I can see the rain, you know, that's just me, so. Oh yeah, this is one of the, this, this song in, goes in the category of it joyfully rocks. And I feel like this is the part of the album where it's kind of reaching a second peak to me. We start up, my opinion, okay? Love propaganda, love at home at work at play. Then things, I mean, I reinforcements, okay. A little bit of a dip on our way back up to me. And then we get to um, Don't Leave Me Alone With Her, which... I adore. That is probably really? my second favorite on this album. I love the lyrics um, that you've got this, this temptress, this evil decide a soft Simon Legree. I mean, there's just so many great lyrics. A Hitler in heel, wearing heels. <laughs> this is another one of those songs that makes me feel like I understand why Morrissey loved this band. I, I could... I could hear mm. the Smiths or Morrissey doing this song easily, easily. This, to me, it just, it has like a really strong Smith vibe to me. Um, I love that it, it has this sort of like breaking in really rough guitar, like do, 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 do. I love this song and I, it, it feels, um, there's like a, a, a this feeling it just kind of builds and swirls I, I love it I love it every home is Rome alone with her love it love it love it <laughs> so it's, it's one of my favorites uh what about you um you know it's so funny because I think I feel like there is this sort of side a side b with this song and um uh something for the girl has everything because they're both kind of like I love this woman but I also kind of hate her or I'm in like or or like my art just complicated relationship with her so I I I kind of think of these songs together in some way um <clears throat> for me I like I think I like the music of the song definitely more than the lyrics uh, doesn't speak as much to me but I, 
I wrote in my notes, very kimono, very glam, great ascending scales and great wide singing range. Um, and again, the opening measures of the song are so different from the rest of the song. You have this like kind of twangy piano opening with some clapping and a nice uh, like straight guitar kind of strum. And then it goes into the lyrics and you get this heavy like like kind of what you were describing and that it just amps it up and the total vibe of the song just changes on a dime which is really really fun um, I picture a, a 70s house a fabulous house with some sexy young thing yeah. that is just really distracting the male brothers so much <laughs> um oh man I love but I do like that I do like the imagery of like a woman in power, you know, this strong woman who is kind of intimidating, um, especially in thinking about at home or work of play. She is one in a million girls, but man, she's hard to, she's intimidating. I, I like the idea of poor defenseless Ron and Russell. You know, this is a great, <laughs> my, my husband said something to me this week, which I just thought was hilarious. So he was teaching and he had a male student and he said, you know, I think that this male student was really happy this week because there was one day when he was sitting between two women who could easily beat him up and he looked so happy to be in the center of these two strong ladies and i, I, this, I i'm just thinking of that with poor ron and russell mm -hmm. defenseless against the charms of this evil temptress well we don't know that she's evil the evilness is that she's just so tempting that <laughs> They can't be left alone with her. They Don't can't. Leave me alone with her. I love it. I love it. And that the every every home is Rome alone with her. To me, that is just it's such a Morrissey line. I can see why he uh, yeah, liked that's them. True. I can. You know, that's I never made that parallel, but with the lyrics for sure. <clears throat> um, and I wrote too, and I can't remember off the top of my head this part, but it says it about two minutes in, like the energy kind of drops down, the drums drop out, um, and then you just have this piano vamping and sort of like dreamy singing, and I think like some sleigh bells in the background, and then it builds and builds and builds, and then it rocks out, and um, the guitar is great, and there's no fade out on this song. Uh, this is one where um, the end of the song is just the whole ensemble playing together block of sound coming hit your final note sustain it out and then end of the song and it's that's it i do really like the musical part of it and that's the end of side a yeah boom let's yeah. let's let's talk about never turn your back on uh, mother earth which is such a beautiful song there's a reason that this song has been covered a gajillion times by a gajillion different artists because it's beautiful and it is timeless i mean it's on an album that was released in late 1974. It could have been released yesterday. It, it just, it has, I think this song has a timeless quality. Yeah. I mean, the, the subject matter alone, we talked about um, when we first started recording the podcast, like I think that the week that we started recording was uh, one of the first times like like a foot of snow had fallen in, Tur in Turkey. And I was like, see, see, don't turn your back on mother earth. It is. <laughs> It's beautiful. And, you know, it's one of the few ballads on this, like, especially on Kimono My House in this album, there's a lot of upbeat rock songs and the tempos are really, you know, pretty fast. But this one um, is just a beautiful ballad. And I love that it's got like that little slight 
glammy bowy Pete thing with the synthesized like strings and the kind of the harpsichordy sound. Those synths, um, they sound very Depeche Mode to me, actually. Really good. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about that. And actually, uh, Martin Gore from Depeche Mode did record this uh, for mm. the Depeche Mode fan club. It was given to them as a flexi disc release. If you don't know what a flexi disc is, it's these very plasticky, cheap discs that you. I mean, I had one in the 80s from R.E.M. that was in a sassy magazine. It's probably worth a lot of money now. I don't know what happened to it, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who knew you should have held on to the sassy mag? Probably my aunt threw it away. <laughs> but um, but yes, yeah, so, so uh, it, it, to me, like the first time I heard it, I thought it sounded very Depeche Mode. Yeah, it does. It, it definitely harkens to that that like vibe right of Depeche Mode I wrote um there's a part where uh they sing amen to anything that brings back a quick return to my friends to my friends and I wrote very Radiohead slash Tom York there for me mm. um it's you're right it gets into these moments where you get the little taste of what's to come musically and um I've said this in a previous podcast I think this song is just it's beautiful lyrical tenor singing. You know, it's just, it's a, sits in a beautiful range. It's just a really lovely, lovely, just lovely vocals. Um, so it's a short song, but boy, long in impact. Yeah, I feel like it's a singer's song. This is a song that really showcases. This yeah. is another reason why I think it gets covered so frequently. It's just a perfect song for a, a singer to really showcase their skills so it's perfect for mr russell yeah it really is so oh such a good tune we could probably do a whole episode about this uh, song we could maybe we will someday um and then we go into a very frenetic song i wrote <laughs> frantic actually this song disturbs me i i do you know i like the plagiarism redo of it which i think is done with uh, faith no more um they kind of amp up the guitars on it and it's it's just a little i don't know it's just a little bit more enjoyable but this song is so frantic to me which is increased by russell's crazy singing on it like it's just it's it's too much for me i like it but i yeah it's too much it's a little um it does i had this kind of comment on the vocals during come on my house where it is very frenetic. It is a lot of like arpeggios. Um, it's almost like a vocal exercise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think right. Uh, you know, and the frenetic, but but it does have some fun keyboard, like syncopated keyboard bits in it. And I think there's some nice, if I recall, guitar rock kind of guitar hero um, bits at the end. And I also like the. Um, I do like when they modulate up and then they go to the something for the girl who has everything that little like I, like uh, that, too. I feel like Russell's really trying to sound British in that bit too. She has everything. Everything. <laughs> and this song, the other thing about this song is really fun. It's got a hard cut at the end. Like it just they got build, 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 and then you're on to do achoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> such a funny, it is a funny song. And it's got, I think, a good placement on the album. Um, I always listen to it. I don't skip the songs like you do. Are, but... are we talking something for the girl or are we yeah. talking achoo? Uh, also, no, uh, 
something for I, the girl. I but. will probably leave something for the girl with everything on. I just want to say there's a like kind of bizarre cover of something for the girl with everything that was clearly done around the time it was popular um, for the British kids program Cracker Jack. It's just really sort of weird. And I recommend oh searching out that video. We will put it in the playlist for sure. Okay. Yeah, because the the you know, the first time I heard this song, I was like, oh, that's, that's funny. That's a funny, like, idea. And then I read the lyrics and was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not just fun. It's the <laughs> twisted mind of Ron Mail. It's got layers. Um, achoo, achoo. Okay, achoo is a skippable for me. <laughs> I, but it's also compelling at the same time i just you know what once again i'm gonna say I, I was really listening to this a lot in december which was when omicron was really pounding the um the, the united states so i just didn't want to be constantly reminded of sneezing I did, and this is another one that i feel like when you get to the end and they just sort of go more into instrumentals and less into russell's vocals mm -hmm. it it is a song that could be from a different time and towards the end to me. And it also, the beginning. yeah, it also to me harkens back to some of the earlier, more arty experimental sparks, like pre, because I, 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 I personally think kimono and propaganda like, um, like number one in heaven and terminal jive, you need to look at them together. They're really of the same period. And, and, mm -hmm. We will talk about um, Indiscreet in an upcoming podcast. And I, I feel like Indiscreet is also like those three albums are the Island Trio. They're the, the, the Brit Trio. But really, for me, Kimono My House and Propaganda go very well together. Yeah. Indiscreet is its own thing, even though it was created in that same period. And we will we'll talk about that. Um, but why am I mentioning this? Because I, Because I feel like certainly on kimono they really perfected this all of these like very perfect pop songs i feel like that's a little bit more experimental and uneven on propaganda which i still think propaganda is a fantastic album but there's a little bit of that experimentation and then a little bit of that we want to have a a pop perfection and and they hit it on some of these Mm -hmm. but they don't on others. Apparently Achoo was a song they used a lot on the tours of, of this. It was a big pleaser uh, on the tour circuit for propaganda, which I can see because you can really mm -hmm. bang out the end of the song. Yeah. Yeah. I think we watched uh, a, a recording and if we find it, we'll include mm -hmm. it in the mm -hmm. links of a live performance from 74. And like, yeah, I mean, Russell Mayall looks so, he's so young. And once again, like you said, bouncing around the Tigger of rock music. And um, he's got like, I guess like a little overalls, but they're short overalls. And it's such a playful, like joyful, fun song to, yes. to see live. And, you know, it's funny that you said it sounds so different in different parts because I wrote at the beginning it starts out like I'm listening to Radiohead or the Pixies yeah it, beginning. it has then, like an art rock beginning yeah and then we get into the vampy piano and we're back to a fun glam rock song I actually this song I like the lyrics of um for the most part I think that it's uh I like Lala's with a powerful thing that'll 
stop any opera or any big. Yeah, a sneeze will stop the song. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, yeah, I really love it. And um, the ending is hilarious to me. The, the increasing chorus of it starts to go faster and faster. It is hilarious. And I think kind of fun. So I, I give Achu a thumbs up. Um, I will give it a thumbs up. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not the most memorable, but when I listen to it, I do chuckle every time. <laughs> and now on to Who Don't Like Oh, skip it, skip it. I can't stand <laughs> it. I, you know, in today's, I would be very interested to hear from listeners who listen to this, if you like Who Don't Like Kids. I find it extremely grating. It's, which I can't believe I'm saying about a Sparks song because I love Sparks and I love, I, I almost feel like I'm being disloyal, but, but I just cannot stand the kid chorus on it. And probably because I'm listening to this song in 2022, I can't escape the history of kitty fiddling you know, and I'm not saying that. Uh, no, I I know the the boys. Uh, no, oh my god, never, I didn't even think never. of that. But you're right. Oh my god, this puts another I, I, on this. Here's 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 why. Like, okay, so I'm thinking. I hear who don't like kids, the kids chorus, 1970s England. Then I'm thinking Jimmy Savile, and then I'm not thinking anything good. Okay, like <laughs> let's just like I I can't. For me, I cannot take the 2022 out of this song for me. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm with you. It's another one where I feel like they were really trying to do that formula of like a pop song. And so it, which works so frequently. But for me, this one is, again, a little too saccharine. There's certainly moments uh, musically. There are moments. Yes, I, I like. agree with that, too. Um, I agree. There are moments of the song that I like. But I, I, you know, I don't know if you remember like a couple episodes back, I went on and on about how much I love clapping in songs. Yes. I feel completely the opposite with unison children vocals. I <laughs> fucking hate them. I hate, I don't know why it, look, I love kids. So please, this isn't like a diss against children or even children. No, no, kids singers. are great. They're fine. Um, but there's a quality of when you get like the kids chorus singing in unison. And it's, I remember my sister, my oldest sister has five kids. And she said like, oh, one of the hardest things about listening to quote unquote kids music is that often they're like these, you know, unison singing of old McDonald had a farm. And she's like, they're always just a little out of tune. And she was right. There's always like, a little quality of it being not quite in tune. I don't know. It's like nails on a chalkboard for me. Yeah, so, me too. Every time you hear who don't like kids, I always, I just think like, who don't like this song? <laughs> right. And the other thing is the, I also horribly think of the Cars for Kids um, jingle, which oh. <laughs> is, as anyone who has watched Wanna The Good Place knows, it's the number one song in hell. Um, so that's another reason why I don't like it. Um, oh. it's, I, I agree though, that there are some good moments in this song, but yeah. this is a skipper for me, which like, there's nothing on, there's nothing on Komodo My House that I would ever skip. So I know there are people who actually prefer propaganda to Komodo My House. 
I was not sure when I first started listening to propaganda, I was like, oh yeah, I could see it. Now I feel like no kimono for sure. For me, for me. I think there's a little more up and down in this album. And in fact, we're now yeah, I feel like it's we uneven. now go into oh, see, I interesting. I think it's I think most albums have more like peaks and then slower breaks with ballads and things like that. And Kimono My House doesn't have it. It's like just straight, pretty fast paced the whole album. Yeah. This does seem to have a little more peak, you know, I'm I'm waving my hand. Um, but yeah, but I will say, so then we get toward the last song of side B, Bon Voyage. And I love really it. love this song. Oh Thank my you. God. So good. Me too. I love it. It's beautiful. It's, what a it's great a ending song. And also, this is another one that um, was used in Annette, which I loved. Um, the propaganda version of this song, I love the ending with the synthesizers. Once again, to me, that sounds so 80s. And Although we are obviously far beyond the 80s, it's another moment where I feel like these guys are ahead of their time. They are adding an element that most people were not really getting into. And actually, that's one thing I would say about songs on propaganda that I like less. What Talking about it with you and thinking about it, to me, this is a band that was really finding its feet at this time, you know, um, we know how talented Sparks are, but that talent does not happen overnight. It, it comes from practice and dedication. And of course, at this time, they were still in their early 20s, early to mid 20s. They had four albums under their belt, including this one, which is incredibly impressive. But knowing what we now know about the rest of their output up to 2022, I view this album as a band really figuring out who they are and starting to experiment in a way that I think would be um, fully realized on Indiscreet, but they were not quite there yet. And I, I cannot wait to talk about Indiscreet because I think, I, I personally think Indiscreet is one of their best albums. Um, which as we know was not fully appreciated at the time but i i can kind of feel the beginning of that this happening song, on this album yeah and especially i actually wrote this song it really is like a lead-in to indiscreet for me because how interesting it has first of all i think the tempo is a little slower it's got more of an adagio tempo which means like a walking pace rather than da, 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 da. Mm. um so it's got a it's slightly it just feels like it has a little more gravity to it than some of the other mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um songs and just the, the mix of some of the orchestral qualities of it it has kind of a bowie orchestrally feeling and yes and you get a lot more of that in indiscreet so uh it is just it's just a beautiful song i really like this one and it's a oh it's so pretty plus this, it's one where i can like sing like i can just sing bon voyage, bon voyage. <laughs> yes it's incredibly <laughs> theatrical which is no no doubt why it was something that could be reworked um into annette it, it, it with his album covers like bye bye <laughs> we don't yes. know what's gonna happen to you yes <laughs> so i guess um was this the last song on the um the regular album, album? so yeah, then they had a couple of bonus tracks 
Have you heard the bonus tracks yep. on this? Yeah, Alabama Right and Marry Me. Um, yes. I don't know much about the history of them, but they are included on the like you know digital uh, reissues. Um, I feel like both of these are good songs. They're catchy. They're a little like I don't know what Alabama means. I don't know if you know, know much I'm about really that song. I'm very curious about it. I don't know. You know, we should do an episode where we kind of just go into the bonus tracks because yeah. what we found is we uh, like we get so excited about talking about the music, and as you have heard, we have a hard time, you know, like not going on and on about it. We're so trying really hard often... to focus right now, just so everybody knows. <laughs> and it's hard after you've had some wine. Yes. Um, <laughs> But we have to do that because that's the premise for the whole show. <laughs> we have to we have to drink the wine. We have to. We're we doing this to. for you, internet. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it all for you. Uh, but you know, they're not throwaway songs. And I I, it, I I think that there's some interesting stuff we don't always get a chance to talk about the, the bonus track. So let's make a little mental note. But can uh, we talk about the bizarre interview that's at the end of the remastered have I you actually haven't listened to it I've actually that is the one thing I have skipped because you know part of me is I like to have the separation of the music versus the people like I don't I mean I'm interested to know like okay Russell Mile you know whatever blah 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 but I, I have this like more voyeuristic quality to my fandom where I really hmm. like to live in the sparks first like the imaginary world okay where your your created imaginary imaginary world based on the sparks songs yes yes okay, on music and the, the lyrics as opposed to it. their uh that's to say that i totally fair engaged in their live you know interview so i have not <laughs> so that's really interesting uh, personally i i just say listen to it because i think it's a goofy interview and it's more proof that they lie in interviews because they have this ridiculous recipe. They claim that they're on, on tap for writing a cookbook. Who knows? Could have been, could have been on the table in 1974. I don't know, but I do know that this recipe for creme caramel sounds ridiculous and I think they're lying. Okay. <laughs> so that's all I'm going to say. Um, it's like improv when they go on to these interviews. But my understanding is like, like, well, all right, he said creme caramel, so I'm gonna say yes to that topic, and we're gonna improv. <laughs> and can I just say, it just makes me like them more. Okay, it just adds to the ethos for me. Mm -hmm. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna create all sorts of weird shit, and then we're gonna make up stuff for our interviews. <laughs> And we're just going to do our Sparks world because that's what we want to do. And it just makes me love you even more. That's all I have to say. Um, I wanted to say something about what you mentioned about your fandom. Because there's just something I have kind of noticed on um, like Sparks fan forums. Like I feel like they have a lot of female fans. Now there's, there's all sorts of reasons for that because let's be honest, they're both really cute. Okay. Like at least, you know, I still laugh about some, somebody who found Take the Sparks comment, the documentary, um, this documentary made me have a crush on a 75 year old man, which just, oh my gosh, that makes me laugh <laughs> so much. But there is something about this band that I do think attracts female fans. They certainly have lots and lots of male fans too. Yes. But but 
I have observed many female fans, they want to talk about the clothes. They want to talk about Russell's hair in this picture. They want to talk about, um, I made this little piece of art based on this thing. And I personally love that. I, um, I, I don't know if, I, if we talked about this on our last, um, our last recording. I think I might've talked to you about it when we were in uh, solving together, but there was this argument that happened on a fan site where someone complained, and I do believe it was a man, complained that, you know, it, it's not like the old days of Sparks fandom back in the 70s, um, because all of these women want to know things like what kind of merch are they going to have and things like that. And I thought to myself, I get it, okay? If, if you are a music purist and you have a very clear vision of what you want to talk you only want to talk about technical things with the sound that that is fair enough that's that's kind of why we created this podcast to talk about other aspects of fandom mm -hmm. as well as that because what i was going to say is to me that is part of the enjoyment of being a sparks fan because their music is so rich because their lyrics there's so much to unpack um because the music itself the construction is really interesting and because they care not only about the music but also about the image and certainly art there's just so much to play with that to me is really fun to think about oh man well it has been such a pleasure to talk about this album with you and and i hope i hope listeners thank you so much for listening we really yes really thank you appreciate every single one of you and um feel very honored for the time that you're spend listening to us talk about such a fun band um so thank you so much um melanie it's always fun to talk to you, of course. It's always fun to talk to you. And we'd also just like to thank um, Ron and Russell Mail for the great music, for the inspiration, and everyone who's worked for them. I mean, wow, you, you've already given us so much joy, and uh, you've given us so much material to geek out <laughs> on as well, which is part of my fandom. So, <laughs> yeah, oh, wonderful. Well, thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Bon voyage, bon voyage. We have to, we have to drink the wine. We have to. We're we doing this to. for you, internet. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it all for you.